Hi, I'm Jackie Perry, and you're listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy. Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. We are starting out 2020 with an author spotlight. I was so privileged to get to interview my friend, Meredith McDaniel, about her book, In Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Longing. Meredith is a licensed professional counselor, and we met each other over a decade ago, which we talk about on today's podcast. I so enjoyed getting to hear about her life as a counselor, wife, mom, and now as an author. In Want and Plenty will be available January 21st anywhere you can find books, and you can pre-order now. This is such a fun and encouraging episode, and you are going to enjoy it. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Well, welcome to the PRN Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And actually, we go way back, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But before we get too far, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. It's good to see you, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I am Meredith McDaniel, and I'm a licensed counselor in Davidson, North Carolina, so just north of Charlotte. And I started my own practice about five years ago called Milk and Honey Counseling. Um, I'm also an author. I have my first book coming out in January. And then I'm a mom. I've got three kids. And then my husband, Ben, is on Young Life staff here in our area. So you're busy. A little lot. It's a busy season. (laughs) It's really full. Okay, so one thing I'd love to talk to you about is Milk and Honey. Where did that name come from? I love that name. Yeah, so it's kind of um, a long story, but I just, I'll talk about this probably at some point later, but I'm an Enneagram four Uh and I always have this longing and this ache and want for more. And as I was reading through scripture, probably about 10 years ago, I really latched onto the concept of the promised land and just that anticipation of wanting more. And so as I started looking through Exodus, and I saw that phrase, the land flowing with milk and honey. I just thought, wow, that's really soothing. And that sounds like something that I want. I feel like that's what other people want. And so in regards to counseling, I just decided that's going to be my practice name. And I'm going to do everything I, I do in life, both with counseling and writing through that filter of trying to help other people uh, taste of the land and milk and honey here on earth. Yeah. So it's not something we have to wait for, but it's something that we can taste now. Well, I love that. So um, you and I kind of go way back, although I haven't seen you in a long time, but we were interns at the same counseling practice. And so my memories of you are when I was pregnant. In fact, I think you took some of my clients when I went on a maternity leave. I did. And so I can visualize the room right now in the files. You mean the closet? It was a closet. It was a closet. It was a closet. (laughs) But look at us now. Um, And so then I refound you on Instagram this year and was so excited to kind of reconnect and see all the exciting things that are going on with you, Mm. which we're going to talk about. We will. We will. So tell me what led you into the counseling field to begin with. Oh, I love that question. People ask me this all the time. So um, I started going to counseling in college and I was trying to figure out, you know, who I wanted to be, what my major needed to be, um, you know, just all kinds of things. Why and how I interact with people in the world, family, backstory. 
And it just kind of all came together when I was sitting in counseling and the way that it transformed my life. And I decided, okay, I think I want to do this for a career with other people. If I can be just an ounce um, as effective as my counselor has been with me, then that will be amazing. Yeah. So. Okay. So the real reason we're talking today, although I love you and all the other things we're going to talk about is that you have a special baby coming out in January, like this book that is being birthed after a lot of years yes. called In Want and Plenty. I do. So can you talk a little bit about the story of how that came about? Sure. Yeah, it does feel a bit like a birthing process for sure, um, because it has been a long gestation period. <laughs> so um, I will say around about seven years ago, we had just had our third baby and I the last two were 18 months apart. So really close together, you know, got one that's walking and starting preschool, one that's in diapers and then one that I'm nursing and that's just been born. And we were living in a rental house and we still had our house actually back in Hickory where we had moved from a couple of years before and we were relocated for job stuff with ministry. And um, we really needed to sell our house. And we found out that we had to move out of our rental house and that they were going to be putting it on the market. We had 30 days. And so not only was I navigating hormones and balancing work and babies, and I wasn't working a lot at this period of time, but home is a really important Think for me. Uh And I think all of us just need a place to rest, right? And feel like um, we just have a nest to come back to for our Like a safe place. Yes, a safe place where it's just, you know, you have comfort. And it just felt like all of that was kind of imploding. Mm -hmm. And um, I I can still remember, and you'll like this because you told me you like Ellie Holcomb, but I still remember listening to one of her first songs and one of her albums called Don't Forget His Love. Yeah. And it's really short, it's only about two minutes long. And, um, it's, uh, it's based on one of the Psalms and it just, I know it, you know, yeah. it, you've listened to it. Yeah. So, and it just sings over you, right. That idea of, um, don't forget his love. Like no matter what is going on in your life, um, he's going to be there with us in it. And so this concept, I remember I had been talking about reading in Exodus a lot and this concept of manna was forming for me, um, that he is giving us what we need moment by moment. And it's uniquely tailored to what we need. And I just started seeing that everywhere in my life, Um, you know, from neighbors and just all this different provision that God was giving us, even when my heart was aching and I was longing for a place to rest. um, He was providing in all these different ways and showing me that he was present. And so that really was the seed, I think, that started this, um, you know, birthing of a baby book that's coming into the world soon. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Since you bring up manna, one of the things I love about following you on Instagram is that you have this hashtag manna moments, mm-hmm. which I love so much. But do you want to describe what that is exactly? Yeah, sure. So, um, again, I'm a deep, deep feeler. And so anytime, you know, as a counselor, I sit with people all day long and hear their stories and in ministry, even my kids as they're now elementary age, you know, their emotional and spiritual needs, um, I, you know, I see this pattern of people like needing to be able to latch onto um, the goodness in the midst of like the dark and the heavy and just life, right? Because uh-huh. we live in a broken world and we're broken people. And so, yeah, my Instagram, I kind of, um, it, it's a space for me to not only hunt for manna in my own life, but to share that with other people. And so I never, I'm very intentional with what I post. I never want to post just a pretty picture. I want to tell the backstory behind it. 
like it was a really rough week and now I'm out on a walk and I'm, I'm trying to find the beauty. And I, I try to challenge other people to do the same thing. So yeah, we use the hashtag man a moment. Um, and then I've also started a new hashtag recently that I'm pairing with it called in wine plenty, because, you know, it's not just about that moment and the manna, um, when things are good, mm-hmm. but it's about finding that when we're in the want and in the plenty. Right. So I love how those two kind of go together. Yeah. So because you're a counselor and so am I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I really was excited about the narrative therapy part of your, of your book and like how it can impact people and how rewriting our stories is so important sometimes. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, I really love the work of Dan Allender and um, his work out in Seattle at the Allender Center. And I'm actually looking at my stack of books over here that have informed my book. Yeah. Um, have you been out there? I haven't, but I actually okay. applied and I'm going to go next year. Neat. So next fall, I'm planning on attending that program. Um, decided to wait a year with all the book stuff. This year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Felt like a little too much to add to the calendar, but hopefully the Lord's going to work that out. I'm going to get out there and learn more and kind of specialize more in narrative therapy. Um, but he wrote a book called um, To Be Told. Yeah. And um, it just says, God invites you to co-author your future. And so I really use that as a springboard um, among some other authors that speak on that topic and um, write about that topic. And I use it in therapy every single day. I feel like um, people come to me and they say that they're stuck Mm -hmm. in their story and they don't know how to get out of where they are. Um, And it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Um, I have found, I talk about this in the book, that we really have to look, look back at their backstory, kind of like looking in a rear view mirror, which nobody really wants to do. Right? Yeah. We just want to look ahead. Right. And then we also have to kind of be present with where we are, you know, how our body's feeling and um, just what our day to day looks like and the worries that we have, the things we think about when we wake up first thing in the morning and when we're laying in our bed at night um, in order to kind of move out of that paralyzed state and have some movement um, to be able to live out kind of the dreams and the healing that God has for us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we take kind of a deep dive in the book and I try to, as a counselor, guide and walk alongside of um, the reader through their story to help rewrite it. Yeah, I love that. So I think it's Brene Brown, but it's a lot of people, Kurt Thompson, talk about how we think in stories and our brains are made for that. Yes. And so narrative therapy is really important, I think. It is. I love that. And you know, it really, I think Jenny points to the grander narrative, right? Like if you look at the Bible and you see all of the arrows pointing to Jesus and that big rescue story, mm-hmm. we get to see that, you know, throughout all the little stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and Exodus is a really big one, right? But there's all the little individual stories of um, individuals and characters throughout the Bible that really point to that grander narrative that we're all a part of. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a hope writer. I am. And you just came back from the Hope Writing Conference, and um, I'm fangirling a little bit because you know <laughs> you know a lot of kind of famous people. I mean, in certain circles, I guess you would say that. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how Hope Writers has helped you get into this whole process. Yeah, well, I'll share a funny story that I did um, at the Hope Writers Conference. I reached out to Emily Freeman, yeah. who's the author of The Next Right Thing and a few other books and her podcast, The Next Right Thing, um, about... Oh, I don't know, five or six years ago, because I had been following along with her writing and I just felt like, wow, she really seems authentic. She seems like somebody who's not just one person, you know, on Instagram and somebody else in real life. But and I knew some people that knew her in real life. So I knew that that was true. 
And so I thought, I want to have coffee with her. And we were laughing about it this weekend because she actually had really good boundaries in place and said, um, I'm not really, you know, just meeting up with people to talk about writing right now in the season of life. You know, she's spitting out books and, um, you know, developing different things of ministry in her, in her town in Greensboro, where I'm actually from. And, um, but she said, I do want to invite you into this kind of pilot that I'm doing. And it, we found out later that it's for hope writers, um, called the artist bench. Okay. So she has this beautiful concept of instead of building like a ladder that we're trying to climb in whatever goal you have, if it's writing or podcasting or, um, just kind of in your daily life, right. Whatever ministry you're a part of. Um, but we're going to, we're going to try to build a bench and we're going to create space for people to sit on the bench with us. And so she made a literal bench and um, there was about eight of us that joined her on that. And it was um, conversations through email and phone and Voxer, which is like yeah. a walkie talkie app. I love it. On your phone. It's the best. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Stay connected to people from all over, which is another huge perk of Hope Writers, which I'll get to in a second. But um, long story short, she had like a writer's barn um, down at the Nestor's Barn, which is Michael and Smith down in Charlotte. And she does a lot of um, kind of home decor, you know, do it yourself. She was on the cutting edge of all of that. Years That's ago. her sister, right? That's her sister. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had this writer's barn and there was a singer songwriter there, Krista Wells, who I love. Um, and then Emily, and they, they asked us, you know, what is your hopeful vision for writing moving forward? And I still have the little note card that I wrote on it where I said, you know, I want to help others taste of the land of milk and honey here on earth. And um, so Hope Writers soon after that started, and I think there was maybe 50 of us in there. There's a private Facebook group. There's a website. They have now they have hope circles, which you can connect with people based on topic. Let's say you're trying to work on a um, book proposal or you're trying to start a website or a blog or, you know, all the different things that fall under the umbrella of writing. Um, You might not want to be published. You might want to just submit articles to websites and kind of just start and put your feelers out there. Um, for whatever dream that God has sort of started to grow in your heart. And it has now grown to, I think, over 3,500 people. And we just had a conference this past weekend with um, 500 people there. Yeah. And some amazing speakers and authors. And I think the beautiful thing about it for me personally has just been um, that it's it's all about trying to write without losing your soul. Uh-huh. And I was signed me up for that. Yeah. You know, I, if I can do this and still keep my soul intact and feel like I'm still true to myself and who God made me to be, um, then that I think that's what classifies you as a hope writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really love that. So in publishing this book, what is your hope for how it's going to impact people? Yeah, I actually had a we have a really cute independent bookstore in Davidson just down the road. Which is cute, by the way. I just drove yes. through it. You need to go it's in the there. Cutest town. It's called Main Street Books, and my friend Ada um, Fitzgerald um, co-owns it. And and she hosted an independent publishing meeting that I went to. And so one of those guys afterwards asked me, you know, how are you going to know that your book was a success? And I kind of had to pause for a second and just think. Um, and my response to him very quickly after that was, I feel like it already is. And so my hope is that the process that it took me going through writing it and all the things that I sort of had to sift through and Mm -hmm. learn, um, that that would be transferred to my reader and that they would be able to also walk through that same process um, and come out on the other side feeling like they have just a little bit more hope. And then I'll feel like it's been a success. 
That is really, really good. So we were just talking about my podcast before this started and the name of it. And I started it because I felt like in counseling that this is something people need, like time to pause and be still, spend time with the Lord, renew their mind, retell their story, moving forward, like putting action to the faith. Yes. And, and don't, you know, in the midst of that, my life got more hurried and more worried. And then there were social media posts to make. And so the Lord is really working in me this year, I think much more than the people who are listening about those same concepts. So, yeah. It's how he works. Yeah. It's kind of crazy and wonderful and maddening. I mean, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. So on your Instagram account, you have written that you're an Enneagram for Wing 5. Yes. (laughs) Do you want to talk about that and how you found that out and how that affects your writing and your counseling? Sure. Well, the Enneagram, I know it's, you know, people have all different thoughts about it. And I'll just say personally, you know, speaking for myself, it has just given me a language um, to know how and why I interact with people the way that I do. Um, Beyond even just like a personality test, you know, like Myers-Briggs, which I also love, um, which I'm an INFJ on Myers-Briggs. Um, it has really taught me more about just the relational piece. So mm-hmm. it's not just about thinking about how I view the world, but it's also how I interact with other people. And so whenever you take on an undertaking such as a book or a big project, you, you do have to start thinking about, um, wow, how am I going to get my family on board? How am I going to you know, communicate to my friends that I'm going to be kind of shifting priorities for a good season? And for me, this has been five plus years of a project. Um, that is now just kind of coming to fruition. And so, um, you know, my husband and I, he's a seven on the Enneagram. So he is an enthusiast and fun guy. Lots but he, of energy. He has a lot of energy. He's a great young life staff guy, right? Um, but he does have, he has a layer of depth that a lot of times people don't see. Mm-hmm. And um, so we really have some really great conversations where I like to swim in that headspace and kind of linger in the um, heavy for a while, which makes me, you know, a good counselor. Yeah. Um, he can kind of help pull me out of that sometimes and I can help, help kind of lure him back into it. So uh-huh. it's, it feels like a crazy pair. And then at the end of the day, we've really had to learn through the Enneagram that there's ways for us, um, to speak the same language, even if we have a different lens in the world. Yeah. So the way I figured it out was, um, I honestly feel like a narrative approach, again, is the best way with Enneagram. So you can go online and Google it and take all the different tests. Um, But sometimes people get really frustrated with that. And it is recommended that you don't do it that way. It is recommended that you don't do it that way. So I more have listened to, like, I love Suzanne Stabile's podcast, The Enneagram Journey. I do, too. It's, um, I feel like she does a really great job of just kind of hashing it out with people and uncovering what's already there. Um, and I love her book that, um, was it the path between us, mm-hmm. the green version of the mm-hmm. new green book. So, um, that's really how I came to know it. And somebody else, um, the guy who married us in Greensboro, his name's Phil Anderson and he wrote running on empty, um, a book a few years ago. And most recently one about, um, your blind spots, um, and trying to figure out what those are in life. But he did an Enneagram uh, workshop one day in Winston-Salem. And he was just talking about, if you just read the descriptors of the Enneagram, the one that gives you sort of like a gut punch uh-huh. feeling is usually yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that just nailed it for me when I read the four descriptions. Uh-huh. So four with a wing five is pretty introverted, I would think. It is. But every time I ever spend time with you, you seem like an extrovert. So how much energy does that take? 
Yeah. So I'm definitely an introvert. I think I'm a learned extrovert because of ministry over the years. Um, But after like, let's coming off the heels of a conference weekend, I'm going to need a good solid few days to kind of recharge. Right. Mm -hmm. So to be able to um, be my best self again, that's going to require some writing, some music, some sleep and some alone time. Yes. (laughs) Which leads me into the next question. Great, great. So as a mom of three kids and a husband in ministry, and here you are talking to me, talking to other podcasts, writing a book, um, how do you balance work, children, ministry, writing? And if you have the keys, I'd I'd love to hear about (laughs) it. I was going to ask you for those. I was going to ask you for those keys, Jenny. (laughs) So, you know, it's a big question. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to all of that. I think... I remember sitting on my floor last week before I was getting ready to leave for the conference with piles of laundry around me, a washer that needs to be fixed. We're using a screwdriver right now to push the start button because we lost the start button and um, pretty dirty floor. I'll be honest, you know, like underneath our kitchen island, which is like the hub of our home and feeling like there is going to be a time one day when I have a very clean floor and all of my laundry is folded. And, you know, I can get on top of our house. But right now, the season that I find myself in is loving my kids the best I can when they're home in the Mm -hmm. afternoons, right? Between like pick up till bedtime. Like I'm going to be all in with them. I'm going to have my downtime app setting on all my social media for the most part. And I'm going to look them in the eye and we're going to read and we're going to listen to music and we're going to do art at the table. And um, does it look like that every single day? No way. There's some days where I have to pull out my phone and do whatever and I have to, you know, send some emails because they're urgent or that kind of thing. Um, But I think every single morning I just have to surrender to the Lord and ask him, you know, what do you want my day to look like? Mm -hmm. Like, who do you want me to cross paths with and be intentional with? What do you want me to let go of Um, and kind of rise those to the surface of my to do list and everything else? I'm just going to have to hand over and pray and hope that it gets done the next day. Um, Ben and I are really, you know, between ministry and the counseling and writing right now, a word that has been a theme for us and a prayer that we talk about with our kind of small group of friends a lot is that we want to overlap more. And so we're on the verge of like praying through some things that, you know, kind of need to shift in our family system to be able to have more overlap. Okay, describe that to me. What does overlap mean? Because I really love that. Yeah. So right now and really for the last five years, really since I probably started writing the book and that became more of a you know big focus for me. And I've had to do a lot of learning and a lot of researching and a lot of putting myself out there in ways that stretch me. Um, it's been exhausting. So when I get home and when he gets home from doing ministry, we're both just kind of wiped and tired. And sometimes it feels like we're ships passing in the night, right? It's like tag, you're it. Okay. I'm going to work for a few hours. You've got the kids. Are you getting them today? You know, we've had to put in some systems One of which has been really good for us is um, because we have semi-flexible jobs, we have carved out Wednesday mornings to midweek. Every other week, we're in a small group with friends on a Wednesday morning. So we had to get creative because we all have kind of different jobs. Yeah. And so we meet with them every other Wednesday. But on the off Wednesdays, we just have a date morning. And it's a fight to keep it because sometimes I'll make a lunch plan or He'll plan a meeting and we get kind of frustrated with each other. Like, you didn't keep that. That's our holy sacred time. Um, but when we do and we keep it intact, it, it kind of springboards us for the next two weeks. So we've just, it's almost like our 
our date night has become our date morning. Uh-huh. And it's created that overlap that we've needed. Now, we want more. We're just starting there. Right, right. And we're going to keep trying to figure out, you know, what does that look like? And, and trying to fight for at least a couple meals together, you know, during the week um, at the table together. But just by the nature of our jobs, we don't get to do that every single day like right. we would hope. Um, and I'll, I'll add one more thing. There's this book that I shared on my um, newsletter. I send out a Mana for Monday newsletter every other Monday for people with some really great resources and just kind of a, um, you know, what God's been stirring in my heart. And so one of the resources I sent recently was um, a book called um, Imaginative Prayer. And it is a beautiful um, just time that you set aside, say on a Sunday night with your family. We light a candle. It's not always peaceful, so don't get the wrong idea. I've usually got one of my three kids that are bouncing off the walls. Yeah, I have four boys. I get that. Yeah. And so they're all kind of doing their own thing, right? Like maybe one of them needs to have like a notebook with something to write in. And one of them needs to just be like kicking the wall with their foot. Or um, one's really fascinated by the fire wax, you know, and it's melting in their hands. And and I kind of let them do their own thing as long as they're quiet-ish and they're listening. And I read through this imaginative prayer. Um, and it has been transforming for our family. We talk about it throughout the week. And um, it's really connecting some dots for them and how to like have a vision for like loving people in their school and loving each other <laughs> and respecting me and me respecting them. And um, Ben's a part of it probably, um, you know, every other time based again, based on ministry. Uh, but it is, it's a good springboard into our week. Okay. It's called Imaginative Prayer. Imaginative and who is it by? I want to say Boyd is the last name. Okay. I'm going to go look that up because I love Anything like that that puts action to faith and especially that kids can be a part of. I think that's huge. Yes. It's awesome. So one of the things you said, I forget the words that you used. It was like, what is mine? Remember the phrase that you used? No, you were talking about I get up in the morning and I pray about oh, like. Yes, yes. So I just asked the Lord, you know, what what would he have me do? Yeah. Moment by moment. Like kind of giving him my calendar instead of being, um, I've heard people say recently, like being swept up by my schedule. Uh huh. It's sort of taking taking the reins and then handing the reins over. Yes. To Jesus, right? So speaking of Suzanne Stabile, she's a two on the Enneagram. And so I love listening to her because I'm a two. You're a two. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. I get everything. I get all yes. the things she says. But one of the things she always says is praying, Lord, what is mine to do? And so I don't do that every day, but whenever I do, mm-hmm. I get a very intuitive sense of what it is. And it's usually not what I was about to do, yeah. what I wanted to do, really. Yeah. The whole boundary thing. Yes. It's hard. Self-control. Yes. It's so good. And I think it's funny. I posted something last week for um, just needing an admin as I'm entering this next busy season. But I was looking for somebody kind of to do it as an intern um, that might need hours towards something for school or and I could you not, I had like five of my two friends write me within like 30 minutes wanting to do it. And they all were people that had way too much on their plate already. And I pretty much was like, nope, none of you are doing it because you already have too many things. You've already said yes to too many things. This is how I'm going to love you. Because I knew that they were twos, right? Five of them? So Yes, that's so a lot. It was a way for me to love them because I know how they operate, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty powerful. That is powerful. <laughs> Good for you that you recognize that. <laughs> So in every podcast, I ask two questions. One is, um, what is your favorite scripture passage? Or is there a passage that really has to do with the in want and plenty and what the Lord's been teaching you? 
This might feel like it's out of left field, but I feel like <laughs> it's a verse. It's not from Exodus. Um, it's in Ezekiel, actually. And it, um, but I think it fits really well with the book underlying. And um, it's the verse that it's Ezekiel 36, 26, that just says that he will give us a new heart and a new spirit uh-huh. um, and remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And I think that that once we have this new lens and we're able to wake up to God's provision around us, we are able to um, kind of take hold of what is already there in our life that we just couldn't see before. And that shifts our heart. It, mm-hmm. it does. It turns our heart from this heart of stone of feeling like God's withholding from us um, and that we're just constantly living in want and we can't see what's already here um, to a place of abundance and plenty. Mm-hmm. It's a good passage. I love that passage. And the last question I want to ask you that I always ask on every podcast, and I think sometimes it throws people, is who is somebody that inspires you? And that could be a family member. It could be a book that you read 20 years ago. I don't, it could be anybody. Yeah. Okay. So I actually really love this question. It it was hard to think about, but um, Madeline LaEngle, who just recently passed away a little bit over the age of 100. She is someone I really am inspired by. Um, She does write a book about writing called Walking on Water that I have highlighted and every page is turned down. Almost, It's almost ridiculous because the whole thing is highlighted. You know, it's like I didn't even need to highlight anything and just say that the whole book is worth reading over and over. But it's been such a gentle guide and challenging guide for me over the last five years of writing. Um, But beyond that, I went into um, a bookstore recently to just, I wanted to just read up every single thing that she had. And I thought they were going to take me to one section. You know, that's what they normally do. They take you to one section, you get the author, all her books are right there. She was literally in, in almost every genre. Really? Store. You know, everything from like children's to Christian living, to um, devotional, to um, YA, to fantasy. I mean, it blew my mind. And so I, I'm just really impressed by her. And um she has a quote that I have hanging on my wall over there that I'm going to kind of mess up. But I'll, I'll just say the summary of it is um, that we don't show people Christ necessarily um, by our words or by our actions. But um, they see something that they want so badly that they can't help but ask about it. And um, you can look up the quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a beautiful concept to me that we don't need to um, verbally necessarily say things about our faith all the time there's a place for that but sometimes it's just seeing it and wanting it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there anything else you wanted to say that I didn't ask you about I don't think so I'm really excited about your podcast and um, I love the title of it and just feel like um, we need a place to pause and be renewed so thanks for having me yeah it's been my pleasure thank you Thanks again to Meredith for sharing your time and your story with us. Again, her book is called In Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Longing. You can find it on Amazon or in a bookstore near you. You may also want to follow Meredith McDaniel on Facebook or Instagram. Check out PRN's show notes to find any of the resources talked about in today's episode. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find Pause Renew Next on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can find the podcast on the website or almost any podcasting app. 
please go on to iTunes and give this podcast a great review. Good reviews make it easier for new people to find this podcast. Well, that's all for today's episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next, the podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.